With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Lilia Luciano may not have grown up knowing that she wanted to be a journalist, but there is no denying that she is a natural and gifted storyteller. From her early success in Spanish-language television to her rise to today's show correspondent at just 25 years old, in the six years she spent exploring every medium and finding her way back to news, to the job she almost said no to that finally allowed her to weave together all of her unique passions. And now her role as national correspondent and anchor at CBS News and host of the El Flow podcast. Lilia's path is a statement to her tenacity and her love of the craft. We talk about what is in her middle of the night go bag, the importance of emotional boundaries, and why Lilia prepares for the sake of confidence not perfection. Lily Luciana, I have to tell you, I've been pretty stressed about this interview because there's nothing more intimidating than interviewing a journalist. No, I feel like my headspace is happy hour us chatting. Okay, good, good. <laughs> You come from a very storied family in Puerto Rico. And I wonder what the expectation then was of you growing up. And was there a sense that you were supposed to carry that legacy forward? On my mom's side, my great-grandfather was one of the founders of the Estado Libre Asociado, the status that Puerto Rico exists in now. He signed the Constitution of Puerto Rico when Puerto Rico became the Commonwealth. So his children, some of them pursued politics. My grandmother, my mom's mom, lived her life, you know, running political campaigns. And she also ran like hospitals. She did a lot of things professionally in the 50s and kind of left my grandfather to do all the things that moms used to do at the time, like cook and put the kids to bed. 
she was somebody who was very entrepreneurial and was always telling me as a kid, you know, I would make a drawing and she's like, oh, that could be a business. And my mom too worked really hard. She dedicated her life to service, as did most of her family. On my dad's side, my grandmother was a very famous and beloved comedian. The equivalent would be kind of like the I Love Lucy of Puerto Rico. A lot of people remember this character because it was brought to some of the first Spanish language stations here in the States. And she was an incredibly influential artist who then became a senator, a politician in Puerto Rico, the second woman senator for 24 years. Those years were the ones that I was around because I was born in 84. This happened in 1980. What I witnessed was her doing good for so many people and doing so in a very public, visible way. I guess I was conscious at an early age that somehow I had to follow in her footsteps from both sides. There are incredibly high-achieving women. My sister and I have always been told, you can do anything, you can be anything, you're the best at this. And I loved writing. I was curious about the world. And it was in a conversation with my dad. He's like, hey, what about journalism? I feel like you'd be great at that. And I said, oh, let's try it out. I want people to understand, because this is one of the things that surprised me when I worked at Fusion, which was, of course, a Univision ABC cable station aimed at English-dominant Latinos, and I was really immersed in the world of Univision. One of the fundamentally different things about Spanish-language news and English-language news is that Spanish-language news journalists, presenters, they are treated as celebrities. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, just fundamentally different on the cover of people in Espanol, like— on red carpets. And that can seem really glam and fun. And it can be. Not when you're 23. (laughs) Right. I mean, yes, yes. Yes, when you're 23. The one caveat is for me, when I went to UM and decided, oh, I'm going to pursue journalism, I wanted to Like, I wanted to be Cristiano and poor. Like, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a war correspondent. I still do. I didn't want to do entertainment. I remember when the opportunity presented itself where they gave me a shot in this newscast, it was as the entertainment reporter. And I was like, okay, great, I'll do that. But this is not where I want my career to go. And so, you know, I I worked really hard. I mean, I remember the week of the Latin Grammys was always insane for me. It was, I wouldn't sleep for more than four hours in the entire week. It was seven packages a day, every day leading up to that day. And then, as you said, because you're a celebrity, (laughs) then dressing up and walking the red carpet. There was a pattern where basically anytime you would interview a male celebrity, there would then be like a two-week turnover before you were in some magazine framed as a homewrecker. A hundred percent. I started at 20. I signed my contract at 20 years old. I was still in college. So young. And I had all these big responsibilities and this big spotlight. And I felt so seen in just the worst ways because all I wanted to do, my goal, all I wanted to be was respected and taken seriously as a journalist. And so that's when I was like, I need to get out of this. And I had the opportunity of going to the World Cup Art Izquierdo, who ran Univision Sports at the time, or Telefutura Sports, was preparing a team to go to the World Cup in South Africa. And I was a huge fan of soccer. And I remember, like, I would sit with the commentators and watch the games when they were covering CONCACAF. And I remember they said, why don't you come to the World Cup? And I said, well, I 
well, that's intimidating. I love soccer, but I don't know enough. And they're like, well, obviously we're not going to put you there to, you know, make commentary on soccer, but you could do other stories and run around all of South Africa and pick whatever story I wanted to do and do a piece on it. I think we shot like 30 stories throughout that month that I was in South Africa. And I put together a reel with some of my favorite stories. And that's what I sent around. And you know, Jose Andino, who is now at ABC News, was at NBC at the time. And he sent it to some people and said, oh, my God, yeah, her, news, let's do it. And so that's the next lucky break, the one where it's like national correspondent at 25. Which like at 25, you feel like that's not that young. Retrospectively, it is so, so, so young. And a thing that I love about you, Lilia, is you get that call and you're there's no self-doubt there's just a lot of hell yeah yeah like i'm gonna do this yeah i'm gonna figure it out when you get to me thrown in at the deep end of the pool yeah well the thing is i had come from entertainment in spanish to national network correspondent in english i had never worked in english and i'm very proud of the way that I did things. I actually was able to swim. I was able to do the thing that was required of me. But of course, every day that goes by, you're reminded in one way or another of how little you fit and how insane it seemed to some people that I had that opportunity at that time. And then you start believing it. And that's where the imposter syndrome sits in. But you know, the way that I digested that was not to freeze, but to just do more. You know, if I felt like I wasn't sure about something, I would go out and do more reporting. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. You've talked pretty extensively about walking away from NBC, walking away from the Today Show, the circumstances around that. I am more curious about what the lesson was from that experience and 
what it took to begin to rebuild. The biggest lesson that I learned from my experiences at NBC News were that, look, you, like me, we're in front of the camera. And the work that we do, for the most part, involves the work of a lot of people. And so because we're getting the credit for the work of a lot of people, we also have to be responsible and grown up and say, you know what, take it for the team and take the blame for the mistakes of a lot of people. And so it's important that when you're enjoying your job, that you're obsessive. And I've learned to be obsessive about facts and details and sources and where something came and to double and triple fact check. Because at the end of the day, when you know we as a team get something wrong, it's mining that is out there as the person who made a mistake, even if it wasn't you technically or directly making it. A big lesson is you take the credit for the work of a group, you got to be willing to learn the lessons and take the blame. That said, reinventing yourself requires having a really honest conversation about what it is that you want to be doing. So I said, I'm just going to go back to the drawing board. I'm just going to learn. So some of the Vice stories came out and the documentary comes out and there's this energy that I'm like, you know what? I'm actually a really good storyteller. I know what I'm doing. I'm passionate about it, but the opportunities are not materializing. So I'm just going to go back to school. So I applied to Columbia, completely broke, had emptied out my 401k because I couldn't like, but not willing to quit. I had actually gotten engaged and broke off the engagement and the relationship so I could come to New York and start over. The program had like orientation day on a Saturday. I think it was Saturday or Friday, but the day before I'm walking to a job interview to be a hostess at a restaurant in the village. And I get a call from my agent and he's like, Hey, so there's an opportunity in Sacramento. They're looking for uh, an investigative reporter. And I say, Like, yeah, right. Like, we've been here before. I'm going to start school tomorrow. This is the thing that's going to build me back up into the industry. And they're like, no, 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 you're going. You are going. This is a sure bet. They want you to go. And I take this opportunity and just move to California and start there over. I was able to do all the stories I wanted. I went to Puerto Rico. I went to the border. It was such a beautiful opportunity because it was the one that I didn't want to take where I was like, I'm not doing this. That's where I realized that there's, it doesn't matter the platform. Like I hadn't worked locally before and that's what made that magic. When I got to the station to ABC 10, a big part of what I do and why I love what I do, it's purpose. It's feeling like you're contributing to changing the things that bother you about society. But another big part of it is adrenaline. I love the adrenaline of it. So I knew that I wanted to be like, if I could be climbing the fence with somebody who is coming into the U.S. and interviewing them at the same time and talking about what their hopes and dreams are, I would do it. Like I knew I wanted to be embedding with traffickers or cartel members and trying to understand why they do what they do. Like I wanted to be on the front line. Tell me about that because that is a difference between the type of work I do and the type of work you do, which is you do get the 2 a.m. pick up your bag and leave calls. So I want you to tell me both what is in that to go back. And can you tell me about a time when you did get that call in the middle of the night and you had to go? Oh, my God. First one that comes to mind 
That call at 2 a.m. was Astroworld. It's like, go, you got to be on the next flight. So the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I call travel. And then you have to calculate, like my go bag has underwear, socks, microphone, IFB, which is the earpiece that you connect to your devices, makeup, basic makeup, and a few shirts, button down shirts that I always wear the same stuff because they're already in the go bag when I'm in breaking news stories and these wonderful, like all terrain pants. However, sometimes the breaking news is weather. So then you have to start thinking about fire gear, goggles, masks, or if it's winter, like I haven't even bought snow boots. And today I got a call about covering snow and I was like, ah, okay, where's REI before I calculate how far LaGuardia is. But at the same time, the only thing is happening to me is wait, what happened? What is a, a, a crowd rush? Who, who was playing? And so you have to put those questions to the side while you get yourself there and then hope to have Wi-Fi on the plane or in the Uber, start Googling and searching what's going on and figure out you know, what your sources are going to be, how to think outside the box. Because guess what? When you get there, it's you know, five bookers from ABC News, plus two correspondents, plus seven other, you know, reporters or three or two or whatever. And the same goes for CNN and ABC. And now you're not just on the ground trying to understand what's happening, but getting it right and also competing with people. And the worst part of the job, the thing that I always say, and this was obviously a huge thing in Uvalde is, so I'm here. You're going through the worst day of your life. Why in the world would you want to talk to me? And I can't, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine doing it myself. Like you're still in the, in the shock. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I want to ask you about Uvalde because you've done some of what I think is the most important and exquisite reporting out of that tragedy. And when you have a story like that, that is so important, period, and is so important to you in ways that are personal and sometimes hard to describe. How do you advocate to make sure that that story gets the continuous coverage that it deserves and gets treated the way you want to see it treated? And then how do you also, I know this sounds trite, but take care of yourself so that you can continue to do the work of showing up and telling that story? How I protect myself is more logic. This is not happening to me today. This could happen to me tomorrow. This could happen to my family. It's being aware of the reality that this is not something that's happening to me and it's not my responsibility to put myself in that position because that is selfish and narcissistic <laughs> and that doesn't make for a good story. I'm not part of the story. I am an open vehicle for conveying what I'm witnessing here. And in order to be open enough and have open eyes and open ears to witness my surroundings, to notice 
little details that will be more accurate and impactful, I can't be in it. I can't be struggling with the pain as if it's something that happens to me. And that to me is the most respectful thing to do. If I'm there, and it's funny, I had this conversation with Marilena Salinas in Uvalde. We were having coffee breakfast, we're staying in the same hotel and had a long conversation. And she was like, you know, I've only cried twice on television. Once when Despierta America followed her to go to take her daughter to college, because that was like a personal story. It was something about her. And the first time was covering 9-11, but not as a reporter, but like in a special that Don Francisco had done where he brought like Willy Chirino to sing this song and it made her emotional. And forgive me, Maria Elena, if that was meant to be between us. But I think that to me, it was a, a big lesson in like, yeah, exactly. Like, who am I to cry? It's not my child. It's not my mother. It's not my home. The most respectful thing is to be present and withdrawn in the sense that like, and look, it's not that you don't cry. It's just like, you can cry, but you don't have to use it. You don't have to put yourself in the story. And to me, that's really important. What did I miss, Lilia? It's really good to be reminded that I'm not preparing for perfection. I'm preparing for confidence. What I gather from people who respond to my work and having the privilege of living in a time with their social media and hearing from my friends and my family members, what I hear a lot is, and it's funny because at first it bothered me. It's like, oh, I love watching you because you're like, you don't care if you slip or if you stutter or if you mess up or if you say like too much. And I'm like, crap, I didn't know I was doing that. You're like, I'm sure that's a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. They're like, you know, you just like, you sound like yourself and, and you speak from the heart. And when I've heard that, I go back to like me in the edit booth, trying to edit out all the ums and buts and uhs and like, oh, that's a dumb question. Or I smile too much. Right. That perfectionist me is the one that I'm retiring little by little and trusting that retiring her does not signify less opportunity, but more so. I think we as women, as Latinas, need to continue telling our, celebrating our differences and imperfections, if you will. Because every time I see someone sitting up too straight and trying to sound perfect and look perfect and smile perfect, or it's like that is not going to convey what the most important thing of our job is trust or inspire trust. The only thing that we're here to do is to communicate something that is important and be trusted. And then trust when people say, you know what, I trust you because you seem like authentic. And the only way to be authentic is to be okay with not being perfect. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so excited about this. Thank you, as always, for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Trendel Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you are listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us grow as a community. 
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.